0: The oppression of which we read in this fifth chapter of the book of James came at the hands of the, the rich, those who misused their wealth. We talked about that last week and how we could overcome that mindset that would cause us to misuse our financial resources. But if you look at the context, when he writes about those rich and he says of them that you are to weep and howl, verse 1, for your miseries which are coming upon you. And then he describes their riches as having rotted and, and their garments have become, become moth-eaten. Obviously, he's, he's dealing with a group of people that were not living the way they should. And I believe that specifically in this case, I just think about James, I think about the times. If, if you were a Christian and... You had previously been a Jew. If you obeyed the gospel, then there was going to be some form of excommunication. You would probably be cast out of the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue, if that was your prior religious affiliation. And there could have been some oppression that came into your life as a result of the fact that you had expressed faith in the Lord. Well, that that was oppressive. And, and that would have been something that would have been very difficult. He, he writes of those who who had agreed to a certain wage for a certain job or a certain type of work. And then these ungodly rich, they were withholding those wages. Well, that's that's difficult when, when you're living hand-to-mouth, day-to-day, as, as many of them did. So So this was a form of oppression. As we begin the lesson, I'll ask the question, What? What is it in your life that is causing you to experience a sense of being oppressed? It may not, may not have anything to do with money. It may just be life. You know, sometimes we, we find ourselves just carrying such a heavy load that we feel oppressed. And that oppression can lead to depression. It, it can lead to a mental state such that we're just not capable of really functioning or doing anything. Well, when, when I look at the promise of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, where Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When I look at that promise, and then sometimes when I look at my situation, I wonder what's happening. That, that doesn't seem to describe my relationship with, with the Lord. Well, I need to step back and I need to ask myself, maybe I'm allowing circumstances to affect me in a way I shouldn't. Because I do believe when Jesus made the promise that if I come to him, I will find rest. I do believe that I can find that promise fulfilled in my life. Now, it's going to be spiritual. If it's a spiritual kingdom and Jesus said that it would be, then the relief is going to be in the form of some spiritual blessing. And that is where I'm to put my mind as as I think about how to pull myself out of this oppressed state. Very practical lesson. Think with me for just a moment. How do we deal with with this oppression? Well, the first thing, and I've already alluded to this, and that is to consider the example of Jesus. You'll notice in chapter 5 of the book of James, in verse 6 where James, in writing to these ones who were oppressing others, he states, you have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Well, there may have been those who were condemned and put to death as the result of this oppression that came at the hands of the rich, But James certainly wasn't writing for the benefit of them, was he? He's writing for the benefit of those who were still alive and who could pick up this letter and who could read it and find a formula. There may have been some allusion here to Jesus. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. And this would certainly connect with the thought that those who were oppressing Christians were Jews. And they were oppressing Christians because of their faith in Christ. But what I think James is seeking to communicate to those who were dealing with that oppression is this. You need to think about Jesus' example. You need to think about what he experienced. And in those times of life when I find myself starting to, to throw my pity party, then I need to think about, I need to think about the example of Christ. The prophet Isaiah wrote of him in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 7 that he was oppressed and he was afflicted. How did he respond? He did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. Jesus accepted his destiny. He accepted his destiny place in life. Sometimes when we find ourselves experiencing that sense of oppression, that's what we have to do. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, for you have been called for this purpose. And he's writing about suffering for the sake of Christ. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Who committed no sin nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. That righteous man entrusted himself to the God who judges righteously. God is the one who rights the wrongs. God is the one who takes care in time of those situations in which we find ourselves oppressed. It may not be during the course of our lifetime, but ultimately, if you consider Jesus' example, where is it going to end? You know the end of the story. We just need to take ourselves there more often. Instead, Of allowing this oppressive state. And I think this is where it becomes practical again. Well it may be that somebody. Is creating the situation. That is bringing you down. It may be that there is some person. There there are some persons. How do you respond? Well again you just have to put it in God's hands. In Romans chapter 12. Think about the statements of, of Paul. Here in light of what we're looking at. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Now look at it. Never take your own revenge. Never take your own revenge. That's not consistent with being at peace with all men, is it? And when I'm being oppressed, I want to retaliate. I want revenge. I want my revenge. I want my day in court. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. If I'm thinking about the example of Jesus, I will not be overcome by evil, but I will overcome evil with good. That'll help. That'll help with Dealing with oppression. Secondly, be patient. Be patient during trials. In James chapter 5, notice the emphasis here in verse 7. Therefore be patient, brethren. Notice though, until the coming of the Lord. And then in this same section, you'll notice in verse 8, for the coming of the Lord is near. Now that may have had reference the destruction of Jerusalem. And if I'm right in my thinking about those who were oppressing the Christians, it would have been the Jews who rejected Jesus as being the Messiah. And the destruction of the city of Jerusalem was God's vengeance on those who crucified Christ, who rejected Jesus. But what James is counseling, if you will, them to do is to just be patient. In Luke chapter 21, and this is a section of Luke's gospel that, that is addressing that time when Jerusalem would be destroyed. And again, the destruction would come as a result of their rejection of him being the Son of God. But in Luke chapter 21 and verse 19, Jesus said to them, There would be Christians alive. Jesus said to them, when all of this happens, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. You will gain your souls. The key would be patience. As simple as it sounds, it's not easy, is it? Because what does it mean to be patient? It means to wait. You're in the waiting room of life. When is my name going to be called? When do I go get to see the doctor? I've been here. I'm at an urgent care center. I've been sitting here for four hours. Where's the urgent care? I'm the only one here who understands the meaning of the word urgent. That's what it means to be patient. It means to just wait. Well, what do you do when you're sitting in the waiting room? Do you peel, pull out a gun and just start mowing pe- people down? Do you pitch a fit? Everybody else is waiting too. <laughs> what do you do? You just wait. What does it mean to be patient? It, it, it means, it means to, to just Wait. Let's go back to James 5 be patient brethren until the coming of the Lord the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil being patient about it until it gets the early and the late rains early rains in, in the fall late, uh, late rains in the spring what's he going to be doing for six months he's going to be waiting he's going to be waiting what else can you do you can't, you can't do a little dance and make it rain quicker. The Indians thought they could, but you really can't. You just have to be patient and wait. You too be patient, verse 8. Strengthen your hearts. That's something you can be doing. While you're experiencing oppression, you could just be working on yourself. Strengthen your heart. For the coming of the Lord is near. Judgment is is in the future. And it's really near because in the grand scheme of eternity, whatever time we have left is not a lot. And then he says, Do not complain, brethren, against one another. And isn't that something we want to do when we're having to wait? What happens when you're standing in a long line? Man, have you ever had to wait this long before? What's going on? What what are those knuckleheads doing up there? Well, we start complaining. Well, in, in Christianity, we often find ourselves start complaining about one another. Here I am waiting. I want something. Fast forward. Fast forward this life. Let's get to the good parts. And in the meantime, I don't like what you're doing. While I'm waiting, I don't like you. Do not complain, brethren, against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. There's the urgency. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. The prophets were persecuted. They were oppressed. But they endured. And we count them blessed. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Consider The example of Job who lost everything. He was oppressed. And then his buddies came along and just made it worse. You deserve this. Your life is the reason you're experiencing this. You're a sinful, bad person. And then God didn't immediately answer his prayer. He made him sit in the waiting room. And he taught him patience. You see, sometimes patience involves doing nothing but just waiting. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance, endurance, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, consider his example, who endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Just be patient. And that's the hardest thing to do. I want an immediate resolution. Resolution of the situation. But I don't always get that. And when I don't, I just have to be patient. And then the final point that I would make, in in James chapter 5, notice in verse 12, but above all, well, does this fit the context or is he moving in a completely different direction? But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath that you may not fall under judgment. Now, as preacher Ryan said Wednesday night, swearing oftentimes was not profanity, as we think about it, or vulgar speech. it was taking an oath. And Jews were prone to do that. They would take or they would make an oath, and oftentimes that was the result of a hasty decision. The worst decisions that you can make in life is during the storm. Never make a long-term decision when you're oppressed. Never make a long-term decision when you are in the heat of suffering because your mind is clouded. Your judgment is not as good as it can be whenever you're sober and you're thinking correctly. Never make hasty decisions. And that's what I see as the context here and why James... Put this into the discussion. It's because you're tempted to make an oath. You're tempted to make some agreement with God. You're not trusting God, you're bargaining with God. Judges chapter 11, probably the best negative example of entering into an oath that we find in the scriptures. During the times of the judges, the ninth judge was a man by the name of Jephthah. And you remember how he was going to go out to to battle with the Ammonites? And, And what did he do? The Spirit of the Lord, Judges 11, verse 29, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah so that he passed through Gilead and Manasseh. Then he passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he went on to the sons of Ammon. Jephthah made a vow. He was feeling the heat. He was oppressed. I'm about to go to war. It's not a good time to be making vows. He made a vow to the Lord and he said, If you will indeed give the sons of Ammon into my hand, then it shall be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the sons of Ammon, it shall be for the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Now, in his defense, I've read this before and I've asked myself, what was he thinking? I mean, what was he thinking? First thing that comes out of your house, well, unless you have a pet, unless it's your cat or your dog, it's going to be a person. It's going to be a human. Maybe he was thinking it would be his wife. I don't know. But it was his daughter. Now, in his defense, if you study this, because I, I Googled it, so you know the answer was right. But I Googled it. I just said, well, what, why, did, why did Jephthah make this, make this vow? What did he expect to come out of his house? Well, their houses involved, also had a section where they kept their animals. So it could very well have been the case that an animal that would have normally been used for sacrifice could have been the first thing that came out of his his house. But it could have been a person. I don't know that he was thinking this thing through. It was a hasty, rash vow or decision on his part that was made during a time of oppression. Was it a good decision? No, it was not a good decision. His daughter came out, and, and we'll be talking until the day of our death whether or not he actually sacrificed her, there's two schools of thought on that. But, but regardless, it was, it, was a, it was a vow that should never have been made. You don't bargain with God. You don't bargain with God. Was God going to destroy the Ammonites? He was the judge of Israel. He should have had trust in the plan of God. But instead, he felt like he needed to deal or bargain with God. Listen to these Proverbs, chapter 19, verse 2. It is not good for a person to be without knowledge, and he who hurries his footsteps errs. Wait. Be patient. Make sure you have all the facts before you make this decision. Don't rush into it. Chapter 21 and verse 5 of the book of Proverbs The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. But everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. Chapter 29 of the book of Proverbs and verse 20. Chapter 29 and verse 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. When you're oppressed, be patient. Consider the example of Jesus don't rush into anything that's going to adversely affect your life on a long-term basis. James chapter 1. Pray for wisdom. Chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and that endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But there may be something that we're lacking in. And what it may be is wisdom. But if any of you lacks wisdom, verse 5, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Avoid hasty decisions, be patient, wait on the Lord. Consider the example of Jesus and pray for wisdom. Are you feeling oppressed? These are the practical ways. These are the practical ways to address that oppression. And if you do these things, is it not going to be true that you're going to experience that rest which comes through a relationship with with Jesus? These thoughts are yours. If you're here this morning and you've never obeyed the gospel then we want you to obey. We want you to become a child of the Father, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and confess that faith, to repent of your sins and then to be baptized, to have those sins washed away by the blood of Christ. If you're subject to this call, please come as we stand and sing.